What's up, everybody? Welcome to Three Wide in the Middle, your home for all things racing with me, Thomas Bennett, and man, Keith Bradley. Keith, how's it going? What is up? Oh, not much. Uh, apologies, everybody, for no show last week. Keith and I both had some stuff that that came up. Keith, you had a little bit of a emergency. Is every everything good in the household now? Everything is slowly but surely getting better. Just know that multiple children with ear infections and pink eye is not fun. It's terrible. No, it's not. (laughs) Just one of them with that sucks, let alone multiple. So yeah, that's, that's been the extent of my week. Yeah. So I, last week I had, I can't remember. Oh, so my son started school on Thursday. That was his first day back to school. So I had messaged you and said, hey, let's push the pod back to Friday. You're like, no problem. So I wake up Friday morning. Well, I I should go back. Thursday afternoon, I'm working in the glass business, and I get a phone call from a number that I don't recognize. I'm like, what the hell? And it's my car insurance. And they're calling me about a case that took place back in April. Now, what happened in April was this. My wife and I, we had bought another car for my daughter. It was her graduation present from high school because she's going to be commuting to junior college. Like It's like a 35, 40-minute drive. And we're like, look, we want to get her a car that we know there's not going to be. Obviously, things can still happen. But overall, right, it's a, a very nice car. It's like a 2013 or 2014 Hyundai and it's only got like 80,000 miles on it. Like it's a really good car. So it's like, we want to get her a car that we know is going to last for a few years and it will survive the commute, get good gas mileage, be reliable, that type of thing. So we got her that. Well, that left us with, with four cars. Well, we don't need four cars. And I definitely don't need to be paying insurance on four cars, especially when one of those cars is full coverage for my 17-year-old daughter, right? Like my insurance is high enough. So we sell this little, we had like a little 2009 Toyota Yaris or something like that. So we sell that. The week that we sell it, okay, I actually had gone online, filed this stuff, on the internet, right? The release of liability or whatever. My wife also took it to the DMV office, the little slip, and turned it in as well. That very weekend, the new owner of the car goes out, wrecks into somebody, and runs away. It was a hit and run. And they hadn't changed the paper. They hadn't changed the the stuff in the system yet. Not only that, I had filed the thing for the insurance. I went to like the insurance's website, you know what I mean? And it's like the contact page and you can change, you know, and I had sent them a message saying, hey, take this off my insurance, blah, 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 blah. Well, I get a phone call that weekend from my brother because the cops recognized the name, my wife's last name, and they all know my brother because my brother works for the city. And my brother calls me. He's like, dude, where's your, the white car? I'm like, dude, we sold that like a week ago. He's like, well, the person who has it wrecked into somebody. They did a hit and run and they think it's Sonia, my wife. And I'm like, Sonia is shopping in Orville right now with her sisters. It's not us, you know. But the cops show the, the woman who got hit. They show them. They show her a picture of my wife. The lady's like, that's not who hit me. It was somebody completely different. The police, everything gets figured out, problem solved, right? We we get it taken care of. Now, five months later, four, whatever it is, four months later, the victim of this hit and run gets a lawyer and the lawyer is now coming after us and my insurance. And I'm like, we're not even involved. Why are you coming after us? And they can't find the person. They're they're still looking for the, the girl that did the hit and run. They're still looking for her. My daughter sees her driving around town almost on a daily basis. It's like, do you guys need us to call the cops for you? Like, what's the deal? So the insurance calls me on Thursday, grilled the hell out of me, asking me all these stupid questions. And I'm like, dude, we have already taken care of this. I don't know what else to tell you guys. I'm like, and no offense, man. I go, I work 120 hours a week. I don't have time to do your job. This, I go, I don't know how this is affecting us. 
Like the police report shows that my wife wasn't driving. I sent the thing in on the insurance. If you guys didn't do that, that's on you. I don't know what to tell you guys. Like, I don't want to deal with this shit no more. Right. And they're like, well, if you could send us all the, you know, all this stuff. So that morning I was getting up to do the podcast and I was going to have to, I had already had like six things scheduled for that day with the glass business. And I was going to have to do the pod, send all that stuff off and then go to work. And so when I got the message from you, Keith, that it was like, Hey, can't do the pod today. I was like, well, I'm not doing it today neither. <laughs> so, Cause I had way too much to do. And I was like, I'm, we're just not doing it this week. And so I just was like, all right, screw it. So I had to handle all that other crap. So yeah, last week, sorry, no pot. It was just literally a horrible fucking week for me. And Keith, it just sucked, man. Just sucked. Oh God. I'm, I'm so, uh, I just want that shit to be over. It's so annoying. Just annoying. Yeah. And here in California, you know, California is so great. It's amazing what they do. You know, my dad got smoked on his motorcycle. It was an accident. It was a complete accident. The guy who just did not see him pulled out, hit him. But my dad got smoked, man. I mean, busted pelvis, busted ribs, broken wrist, broken knee, broken leg, you know, all, was in a wheelchair for months, right? Missed almost a year of work. My parents in that situation basically came out behind, right? They didn't have to pay the medical bills, but they, all the work that my dad missed, all the stuff, you know, all this, they got nothing for that. Nothing. Because in California, you only have to carry a certain level of insurance and then basically anything above that, if you feel that you are, you know, that you need to go after that, you have to get a lawyer and actually sue. And all the person has to do is claim bankruptcy. And as long as they're under a certain amount, they, they don't, they, you're just, you're just SOL. It's just like, sorry, you're screwed. Right now we don't want to, you know, my, my parents don't want to sue anybody, especially over an accident and take their home and shit like that. But you couldn't even do that in California. Right. Meanwhile, we got this girl who does a hit and run. The cops can't find her. And I'm the one having to deal with the bullshit, even though we weren't the one driving because of California law. That, what the sense does that make? It just, uh, it boggles my mind, dude. I don't get it. I just don't get it. Pisses me off so bad. So, yeah. Anyways, glad that's over. Let's move on. Uh, <laughs> Keith, did you get to see any of the racing this last weekend with everybody being sick? Did you have a chance to see some racing? I did. Okay, I did. well, that's good. We got we got a lot to cover. Obviously, Knoxville Nationals, um, that was actually one of the funner Knoxville Nationals I've watched in a long time. It was a really, really good race. We'll cover that. Um, big, big news, driver movements also um, on the sprint car side of things. The late models had the the Nationals over at uh, Cedar Lake, which was also a very, very good race. Um, you know, midgets are finally going to get back to racing this week, which is awesome. We got one more week to wait on the sprint cars for SmackDown next week. So we got a bunch of stuff to cover. Dirt track recap, our NASCAR pick them. We got our hit or miss segment of the show. But before we dive into all of that, I got to discuss this, everything that's going on right now with uh, Shane Van Gisbergen. Um, it was put out basically this morning um, in a press release. Uh, I shouldn't say this morning. I think it was yesterday morning. Yeah, that <clears throat> Shane Van Gisbergen has been released from his supercars contract. Now, it was said that his um, he was under contract with Triple Eight, which I don't, you know, I got to be honest, I don't know a whole lot about the players in the supercars world, but they had said they would release him if it was needed. Um, Van Gisbergen ran, what was it, last week at Indy. Um, we obviously know he won at Chicago. And since then, he's talked about making the move to NASCAR. Uh, he ran the trucks at IRP, finished, I want to say it was 18th. I mean, considering that was his first oval race at what I would consider a pretty difficult track. IRP is a pretty unique track. Um, that's not bad. And now, you know, it's basically what's going to happen, right? Is SVG going to be cup racing next year? Is he going to run in the lower series? Is he going to go Xfinity and truck racing for a year and then move up to the cup? And, and you know, what's he, what's he going to do? 
And there's so much hype surrounding him right now. I really am starting to wonder whether or not we're setting him up for failure. And when I say we, I just mean the the fans, the media, everybody in general. I heard Dale Earnhardt Jr. talk about how if SVG got a top 10 at Indy, that that could be considered a disappointment. Folks, a top 10 in any NASCAR Cup race is not a disappointment. I don't care how good a freaking road racer you are. We talked about this after Chicago. His race was phenomenal. He ran up front all day long. He showed those guys how it was done on a street circuit. But we said this before. Get him on a road course that these guys are familiar with, right? That they run. None of those Cup guys had ever ran street courses. They, they're a completely different animal. We talked about this. Completely different. It's not a racetrack, right? It's a regular everyday road converted into a circuit. That is a huge difference. We talked about or I mentioned about the just the difference with a when you look at a crowned road versus a speedway, which is flat. That is a big, big difference when you talk about the grip levels and the way the car reacts and all those things. It's very, very different. And he came out at Indy and he got a 10th place finish, which is phenomenal. I don't care what anybody says. I don't care that he won Chicago. 10th place in his only his second race is incredible. It really is. But for what I'm hearing now from people where they're making it sound like if he goes cup racing, that he is basically just a shoe win to make the playoffs, I think is absurd. It is ridiculous. It's amazing how we forget the people who have come before Shane Van Gisbergen. You guys remember a gentleman by the name of Marcus Ambrose? Marcus Ambrose was SVG before SVG. I don't think people realize this, but Keith, you can attest to this, right? Marcus Ambrose was the man in V8 supercars before he came to NASCAR. Like, he was legit. The dude won two cup races, right? Two. You guys remember Juan Pablo Montoya? Juan Pablo Montoya was voted in the top 50 of F1 drivers of all time. Think about that. The dude raced for McLaren, one of the most historic names in all of racing. Juan Pablo Montoya won two cup races. Now, yes, the cars that those guys were driving back then are very different than what we have today. That is obvious. I will 100% concede to that. I think if Marcus Ambrose was running in Cup today, it would be a completely different story because of the similarities to the V8 supercars, right? But driving talent is still driving talent. And Marcus Ambrose was an incredible road course racer. And he had two wins in the Cup Series, both of them at Watkins Glen. And yes, he was in lesser equipment. He was never in a top ride. But can... As good as SVG is, and folks, make no mistake about it, the dude is phenomenal. He can drive. Let's not just pencil him in for one of the 16th playoff spots if he goes full-time cup racing next year. He's had one oval race. One. And I don't care if there's 10 road courses on the schedule next year. You cannot just say, as we saw this last week at Indy, that he's just guaranteed to get a victory in one of those. The racing is, the, the, the talent level in the Cup Series now, when you talk about road racing, especially when we have the simulation time and all the stuff that these guys do now off the track, you cannot say that, oh no, he's, he goes Cup racing, he's going to make the playoffs. You can't say that, because that is not a guarantee. Look at Daniel Suarez. You guys, Daniel Suarez is, is a phenomenal road course racer. Phenomenal. Right? That's all he did for the first half of his life. He's incredible. Daniel Suarez has the talent of... A, Daniel Suarez could have probably gone F1 racing, right? Had he not gone the cup side of things, if he had gone through you know, the ranks and everything like that. Like, he's that kind of talent when it comes to, to road course racing. He's that good. How many wins does Daniel Suarez have this year? How many does he have for his career? And he is a phenomenal road, road course racer. AJ Allmendinger, considered by some to be the most talented road course racer in NASCAR, hasn't won a race this year. 
So all I'm saying is, is before we anoint SVG as the, I don't know, Richard Petty of road courses, can we give him a little bit of time before he makes the jump? Because if we're setting the standard at, hey, a top 10 is a disappointment, the dude has nowhere to go but down. And when you have that type of setup, right, when you are set up for what can only be catastrophic failure, I think you're doing a massive disservice, not only to the rest of the fans, because all we're going to hear is negativity, but also him. Let's give the guy a legitimate shot and realize that other people have done this before him, whether you want to argue they were as talented or not, doesn't matter. We have seen incredible road course racers make this jump before and not have the success that everybody seems to think SVG is just guaranteed to have. So let's pump the brakes a little bit, no pun intended, and give the guy a chance to actually get acclimated to this before we start determining whether or not a top 10 finish is a failure. Today's episode is brought to you by Produxa. Look, you guys, when it comes to protecting and adding a mirror-like shine to your surfaces, you pretty much have two options. You can go with one of those low, you know, quality products out there. Uh, you know, do the old school, like my parents used to do, use the old dish soap to wash your car, or you can go with Produxa. You guys, I've personally used this stuff and it works incredible, man. Whether it's their ceramic coating, their wash, their tire shine, and it not only looks great, but it's super easy to use. I mean, my 10-year-old son was helping me use this stuff, and we used it on my daughter's car, and the car literally looked new. And my daughter's 17, so you can imagine that the car did not look new before we washed it. So if you want to actually give your car a mirror-like shine while in the process protecting it, head over to Produxa.com or the link down in the description below and check out their full line of products today. I can promise you, you will love them. All right, Keith, you ready for hit or miss? Let's do it. All right. So we got, what do we got? Four or five things here to cover. Um, first up, which I was glad to hear. And we've talked about, we talked about this last year, you know, definitely want to talk about it again this year, but Elton Sawyer in a, I believe it was on a radio show, talk show, something says that it is possible for NASCAR to return to the oval at Indy in 2024 and they should hit or miss the mark. I added, they should. Uh, it definitely hits the mark. It's a crown jewel race. It has been when you take it to the road course. I don't think it's the same thing as. Racing at the Brickyard, you know what I mean? It, it yeah, don't and the road course sucks. It's not even a it, good road course. I, and I agree. The The race this year on the road course, I think people say it was good because of who won. But outside of that, it was terrible. Um, yes. I'd, I'd much rather see what these cars can do on the oval. It sucks that we had to wait for Kevin Harvick to retire to return back to the oval. But... Uh, uh, Something needs to change. I know the oval was equally as boring, but we just don't know with this new car. I think it would actually be pretty good. I think so too. Um, I think with this car, I actually think the oval would be good racing just because of the straightaways, the runs that we could see these guys get in these cars. I think it would be interesting to see. I could tell you right now, there's no way it could be as bad as the the road. I think the Indy road course sucks. I don't just mean like the rate. I just think the I think the track sucks. I don't like it. I don't think it's good. I think it's for these types of cars. I think it's way too slow and tight and technical. It's more like a. It's more like something like you should be running like the Indy cars at not cup cars it's just it's just not i don't know it's just not good i just there's nothing about it that i like i think it sucks i really do so i i would much see rather see them on the oval you're right it's a crown jewel racing at the brickyard is the oval it's not the road course right so yeah i'm with you i'd like to see it return um you know i i understand the whole you know 
tire incident that happened and you know all that stuff like that that was that was years ago that was years ago and these tires aren't wearing out like that <laughs> they just aren't um you know what i mean like that we're, we've been talking for two years now about how the tires need to wear out more. So they're, they're so durable. There's Put them on the oval, man. Just put them on the oval and see, right? At least try it. What's the worst that can happen? You run it and then you're like, actually, this oval really blows. So let's do the road course. I mean, that that's the worst case scenario. So try it. Just try it and see. So, yeah, I'm with you, man. Go get back to the oval. Freaking road course sucks. All right, moving on. Bubba Wallace currently sits 28 points above the cut line, and he will make the playoffs on points this season. Hit or miss the mark. Ooh, now this this is tough. Um, this is tough. I'm going to say miss the mark. I think there's somebody under the cut line that's going to get a win. Um, can't say who I think it is, but I, I don't see him pointing his way in. I, the only person that I truly see pointing their way in, if everything goes as planned as Kevin Harvick and maybe Brad Keselowski, but I don't, I don't see Bubba pointing his way in. He doesn't have a big enough cushion on 17th. He doesn't. I'm with you. There's two races left. We got Watkins Glen and Daytona. There's three people right now currently in the playoffs on points. It's Harvick, Keselowski, and Bubba Wallace. Harvick is the highest among the three. Harvick, I think, is in, is like sixth in points. Keselowski's close, though. He's like seventh or eighth. He's not far behind Harvick. Yeah. Um, so I'm with you. McDowell winning at Watkins Glen kind of screwed things up for those guys in terms of people being able to point their way in. If we have two different winners... Right, if we have a, a new winner at Watkins Glen and a new winner at Daytona, only one of those guys is going to get in on points, and I would I would bet Kevin Harvick over Bubba Wallace. Now, it could, we could have repeat winners at both tracks, and all three of them can point their way in. I do think that's a possibility, but I just don't know if Bubba Wallace can do it because. It's so tight. We saw what happened last year with Truex and Blaney coming down to the end. You know what I mean? That it's just so so tight. So I'm with you. I think it misses the mark. I'd like to see Bubba Wallace make the playoffs. I would, and I think he has as good a shot, if not better, than a lot of the drivers at Daytona. We know he's an incredible restrictor plate racer. So you know, it's going to be Daytona is going to be exciting. I'm really looking forward to it. I think if you're not going to do the the 4th of July race at Daytona, this is the next best thing. Do it to end the regular season uh, because it definitely adds a layer of drama and excitement to it. I agree. All right. So after only his second race in the NASCAR Cup Series, Shane Van Gisbergen's top 10 finish at Indy Road Course was a disappointment. Hit or miss the mark. I'm no, gonna say it misses. I'm gonna yeah. say it misses the mark. I mean, yeah. he finished in the top ten. He ran in the top ten majority of the race, which is still very impressive to yes. run in the top ten with these guys on road courses. Because, I mean, let's let's just face it: majority of the field, you can't say that they're slouches. No, a lot of them are very good. Um, he beat some very good cars. He outran some bigger names. Um, yeah. That being said, I'm not ready to crown him the champion of NASCAR or the champion of road course racing. I think yeah. I think the hill is a lot steeper for him, and I think he's got more to prove than just road course racing. Yes, um, I'm with you. It was still impressive to watch. I, I think he's I think he's going to bring a lot of eyes to the sport. Um most notably internationally, which I think needs to happen anyway. Mm-hmm. Um, hopefully I, I'm more so looking more towards maybe it'll bridge the gap between the United States with NASCAR, the international market with NASCAR and, and maybe take NASCAR internationally and maybe this will, this will help. But a top 10, I don't think it's a disappointment at all. I think it was still a very impressive drive by the man. Yes, I I'm with you. Um, 
he finished top 10 at the Indy Road Course. And, you know, he finished behind the likes of Michael McDowell, who won, right? Chase Elliott, Daniel Suarez, Tyler Reddick, Briscoe, Bowman, Truex, Larson, Bell. That, you guys, that's like, you know, I don't know, like a murderous row of talent right there. Like, I mean, he finished behind some incredibly good, not just drivers like on ovals, but like road course racers, right? If if at Watkins Glen, if I told you, hey, you have to pick a driver and it's got to be from last week's top 10, I would feel comfortable, honestly, picking any one of those guys. Now, I would feel more comfortable with a Tyler Reddick or a Kyle Larson or a Chase Elliott, right, over a Bowman or a Briscoe, but I would still feel confident with those guys. Those Every one of those guys are good. For him to finish in the top 10, that's incredible. It really is. So, I... Yeah, I I get the the hype and everything and and you know because he won it's like oh my god well he should just be coming in and dump but that ain't the case man. So yeah, I'm with you. There's no way that that's a disappointment. That's for him to have a win in a top 10 in his first two races. I think that's freaking incredible. So yeah, hats off to him. All right, so we didn't have a chance to talk about it last week, but coming off two wins in a row, Chris Busher has shown himself and his team, the RFK team, to be legitimate threats to make the final four at Phoenix. Hit or miss the mark? I think it hits the mark till he proves us all wrong. Um, Chris Buescher is, I'm not going to say lights out, but he's, he's starting to show his true potential. Yes. Um, and he's definitely somebody that I wouldn't count out yet. Um Will will the road to the final four be tough? Absolutely. But to win back to back races and then in the fashion that he won them in, mm-hmm. I think should be eye opening. I mean, we we talked about it off air that it was kind of like Kevin Harvick ripping off the two wins last yep. season. I think this was more impressive just yep. in the way that he did it. Um, for the rest of the competitors, I think I think Busher's going to be a real threat, and it's crazy saying that because I wouldn't have said it last year. No, or the year before last, um, I wouldn't count out any of the Fords. I think they're going to find something soon. Hopefully, um, it'll they've be definitely found something the last few weeks. Oh, hundred I mean, percent. The, the Fords have, have definitely made a comeback. I, and, I'm with you. I think he's a threat, man. I think he's a legit threat. You know, maybe not Final Four, but you know, to make the Final Eight. I think, and tell me if you if you agree with this. I think what we've seen out of Busher and obviously Keselowski, but we know what kind of driver Keselowski is, but I think Busher's rise is more a testament to the changes that have happened to that organization as a whole since Keselowski became a part of it. Oh, I, I completely agree. And I think I think it was for the betterment of Roush Fenway, right? I think yeah, definitely. Keselowski brought a Penske racing mentality to RFK, which I think that that definitely needed to happen because we were starting mm-hmm. to watch the fall of Roush Fenway. Yes. And, and yes, I get RFK struggled last year. Well, that's going to happen when you have new things evolving within an organization. Absolutely. Um, from everything that I heard, Brad Keselowski had to really go in and pick up a bunch of pieces and, and put a bunch of pieces back in place while filling the six car yep um that's a very tough thing to do that is oh not yeah easy. We, we watched tony stewart do it with stewart haas right so i mean it's it's hard to do um me personally i would love to see when brad keselowski hangs it up of how much more rfk evolves because i think it's just going to get better yes um, i mean we've seen how much of an input he had into Justin Haley going to Rick Ware Racing, so that says a lot mm-hmm. about about how Brad feels about younger talent. Um, will that name fill the six car eventually? We never know. But I think Brad brought an element to RFK that nobody else could bring. Right? Um, it it truly is exciting to watch. It is, you know, and you're right. We were watching the downfall of Roush Racing, which. For someone like myself, you have to understand that 
that is unthinkable, right? Like that was unthinkable. When I look back, when I think back to the early 2000s and what Roush Racing was, when you had Mark Martin, Jeff Burton, Carl Edwards, Matt Kent, right, with Greg Biffle, they, dude, it was a murderer's row. Like they were so good, so good. And to see them fall the way that they did and not only fall but when you hear people like greg biffle tell stories you know talk about how they fell behind in terms of technology and innovation like that's unthinkable because you know that was kind of jack roush's thing you know what i mean like it was they were always like thought of to be like one of the smartest shops on the block like kind of ahead ahead of the curve and then they fell behind so for them to to get as bad as they were and then to see them turn around the way that they have since Keselowski has become part of the ownership. And you're right, you know, the way that he's had to really come in and kind of pick up the pieces, reset everything. I think it is just a huge testament to him. And I'm with you. I mean, obviously he still has a lot more to go in terms of driving, but it is going to be interesting to see what happens with that team when he's just full-time owner. Um, that is definitely going to be something that'll be interesting to keep an eye on. Uh, moving forward obviously like i said he's still got a lot a lot of racing left in him but yeah it'll be cool to see all right so that's going to do it all for our hit or miss portion of the show but when we get back we're going to have our nascar pick em for this week at watkins Glen, and then we've got our dirt track recap and there is a ton to cover on that side of things so stick around all right, Keith. So NASCAR Pick'em, we obviously did not make selections last week since we were both out. The week before at Michigan, I had Joey Logano. You had Chase Briscoe. Logano got the, not the win, but for me, beat Briscoe. Uh, Logano was like 12th. I think Briscoe was like 30th or something. I don't know. It wasn't, it wasn't the best day for our guys. I just know that my no. guy beat yours. So <laughs> that's all that matters. <laughs> but anyway, so going forward, we got two, only two races left in the regular season. You are 20 points ahead of me. There is no way that I can catch you uh, in the regular season. Now we will reset this for the playoffs, but until we get to that, we got this week at Watkins Glen. Um, I won last week, so I'll make my pick for this week. I got to look and see who I can even pick here. Uh, the list is getting thin. It's getting very thin. <laughs> um, God dang. Uh, I am going to, you know what? I have not taken Daniel Suarez yet, so I'm going to take Suarez. I like it. I like it. I like the pick. All right. Who do you got? I'm going to go with uh, Martin Truex Jr. That's a good pick, and you you have not picked him yet, so that is a really good pick. Truex is good on road courses. I don't think people realize in, how good he is on road courses, dude. <laughs> in the last few races, he's undoubtedly had the fastest car. Like, probably should have won at Michigan, but didn't. Mm -hmm. Our guy, Chris Buescher, beat him. And I was going to take McDowell, but I've already picked McDowell. I think he's going to repeat. That would be insane. Now, a lot of I mean, drivers would be happy with that. Kozlowski, Harvick, Wallace will be happy with that if we see repeat winners this week and next week. And, um, and I think he's got a good opportunity to rip off three of them because he's a really good road, road course racer, and he's a really good super speedway racer. Yes, I think, he is. I think I'd put him in the top five as far as super speedway racers go, and, and definitely top five in road course racing in the new car. And... I loved that he put Denny Hamlin in his place as far as stats go. Yeah. Uh, all right. Quick question before we get to the dirt track recap. Does Chase Elliott win one of the next two races and make it into the playoffs? Um, put your disdain heart, for Elliott fans aside. Does Chase Elliott, is, the driver? <laughs> my heart is telling me, yeah. 
because I mean, let's face it, Chase Elliott is probably the best road course racer in the field. He had, leads them with what seven wins. Um, I think, I think the road to the playoffs for Chase is getting harder, and it's going to continue to get harder. They're now, gonna, they're under the gun. He entered Indy fifty points behind. He's now eighty. Yeah, he's not going to make it on points. No, he's not going to make it on points. He's going to have to dig in, dig down deep, get some stage wins, and pull off a win between now and Daytona. Yep. Win one of these two races, and I don't think it. I don't think it happens. I think the field is much closer as far as road course racing goes. Yeah, I get it. Chase is really good on road courses, but I think there's the the, the gap is closed. Uh, I mean, I can name five guys that I think are equally as good, if not better, especially in the new car, right? Yeah. I think the new car bridges the gap. I'm, I mean, A.J. Allmendinger has just as a high chance to win this weekend as Chase Elliott. Yeah. Um, dude, I don't I – don't, I, my heart tells me yes. My mind is telling me no. I, I will I say if I was going to pick two races for Chase Elliott to have a shot at – winning and getting in, it would be Watkins Glen and Daytona. I mean, we've seen him run extremely well. I mean, last year you could make the case that, you know, his teammate doesn't lean on him going through turn one, Chase Elliott gets the win. Um, oh, I agree. And Daytona, I mean, just let's be honest, any Hendrick I, car at a super speedway is going to be up front. I, if, if they weren't going to Daytona, I would feel a little more comfortable. I just feel like if Bubba Wallace is on the fringe of making it, yeah. I mean, we've seen, we've seen Bubba do some stupid shit behind the wheel of a race car. Now let's throw in cutoff race Daytona. There's going to be a lot of guys making some bonsai moves to make it into the playoffs. Because I mean, let's face it, anybody will do anything to get in, mm-hmm. and. And truthfully, I think anybody under Chase Elliott, I would be afraid of just because, you know, they're they're going to make some they're going to do some things that they don't normally do behind the wheel of a race car. Not yeah, only desperation, a 100 percent, not only to get into the playoffs, but the owners playoffs. I personally didn't realize how big the owner playoffs were till I listened to Denny Hamlin's podcast. And I think I think it's going to get real spicy. Um, well, that's where the money is. Oh, 100%. I mean, we heard, I don't know if you listened to it, but Michael McDowell was like, hey, this is exciting because now we're in the playoffs. We're in the owner's playoffs. Now we can get a Hawkeye system for our shop. So that's huge. Yeah. I think, dude, I I just don't see it happening. I really don't. I think this season alone, we've seen Jay Elliott kind of crumble under pressure and now he is truly under a ton of pressure, and we just watched Michael McDowell dog walk him at probably one of Chase Elliott's stronger tracks, a road course. Yeah, I'm with you. I I don't know, dude. It's tough. If he's gonna make it, man. <laughs> I, I, I don't, don't know if it. he's gonna make it, but I think I will say I'm not gonna be surprised if he doesn't. Or I should, yeah, I'm not gonna be so. I'm not gonna be surprised if he does make it. It's not gonna shock me if he makes it. And I so. won't. And I won't be surprised either. But truly, how strong do you think Chase is gonna be in the playoffs? They haven't shown anything this season. I get it. He was out for injury. Then he was suspended a race. But in those races, hell, he's only led 39 laps. Yeah. Yep. I mean, Kevin Harvick's led more than him, and Kevin Harvick. I mean, let's face it, has struggled for the most part, but. I mean, it just, the proof is in the pudding. I just don't see it happening. I really don't. Yep. Yep. So we'll see. We got two more weeks to figure it out. So it's going to be exciting to see him do it, though. It is. It is. So that's going to do it for our NASCAR pick 'em. And let's dive into our dirt track recap. So, obviously, a uh, big week of dirt track racing on the dirt late model side. You had the U.S. what do they call it the USA Nationals or whatever the hell it is at Cedar Lake. But obviously, huge, huge race. Um, you've also got the Knoxville Nationals, another obviously huge event, and it was a 
It was a fun week of racing. Keith, I know you're not a big late model guy. Did you happen to see the late model race at Cedar Lake the final night? Um, no, I didn't even know that there was the big race at Cedar Lake. So um, I just go watch the highlights. Just watch the highlight. Bobby Pierce, Hudson O'Neill jumps. It's a hundred lap feature. Hudson O'Neill jumps out in front first. Bobby Pierce then gets the lead around like lap 30 or 40 or something like that. Pierce essentially leads the next like 60 laps. Okay. They're neck deep in lap traffic, slows up Pierce. Hudson O'Neill catches back up to him. And for those of you who didn't see it, spoiler alert, throws a bomb slider. I mean, it's a Hail Mary, man, on the last lap. And Pierce is able to cut back underneath him and win. And he wins by essentially a couple hundreds of a set. I mean, it was incredible. Incredible. So Pierce got the win, um, which is a huge, huge event, obviously, when you're talking about the that that race the the you know usa nationals um pierce got the win brought home 50 grand hudson o'neill finished second tanner english dennis herb jr and brandon shepherd rounded out the top five with davenport larson madden clanton and that's brent larson madden clanton and weiss your top 10 um, on the sprint car side of things obviously we had the knoxville nationals um, if you did not see the Knoxville Nationals, you missed out. Uh, that might have been, I mean, I know Larson dominated the last night, but I thought the racing was incredible. It was incredible. I think that was the funnest <laughs> Knoxville Nationals I actually. I'm with you, man. Watch. I'm with because, you. I mean, let, let's. Spades a spade. Kyle Larson kicked everybody's ass for the second time to win his second Knoxville Nationals. But what was more impressive to me was David Gravel's drive to the front. Hands down. That man started 22nd and finished second. That yes. was more impressive than Kyle Larson leading all 50 and winning the race. Yes. Um, and you dude, could make I mean, the case if Lord, if Gravel had five more laps. A handful more laps. And yeah. I think we're talking about a different winner. I think yes. David Gravel wins two and not Kyle. Yes. I mean, everybody in the top five, well, I'm going to say the top six, ten, it was impressive racing. I mean, we've seen Rico Abreu make strong runs to the front. We've seen Brad Sweet. And Rico Abreu, Rico Abreu started second, was running up front, had a blue attire, and had to come from the back and finished seventh. That was incredible. Yeah. Like, oh. It was, it was, uh, the racing was really, really good, man. The track had, it was multiple grooves. Like you, you saw those guys running the top, running the bottom. The, there were slider lines there. It was a really just awesome race. Now, Larson got out front and was flying, but I'm with you, man. You, if Gravel had five more laps, we could be talking oh, about a different winner. If Gravel has five more laps, if Logan Schuhart's engine doesn't blow because he yep. was quick too. Yes, uh, he was. Give a quick shout out to a buddy of mine, Chase Randall. He made his first Knoxville National start. He looked really good in the 2K car. Yes, so he and he car. he finished 13th and won Knoxville Nationals Rookie of the Year award. Yeah. So I mean, I I think from top to bottom, even the prelim nights, it was all really good. Um, yeah. Now, I listened to Door Bumper Clear yesterday, and I got to take a shot at him. They bitched and complained about how late the races started, that they need to change the format, that they need to do this. No, it all needs to stay the same. Um, yes, don't Knoxville change National the Knoxville Nationals. What the hell are you talking about? Is is a completely different deal. I mean, it's a three-day yes. event. Um, <clears throat> it's they its run own thing. Yeah, it's, it's, it's its own. You might as well say holiday. Yeah. Especially for the people in Knoxville. Yeah. Or, or even the whole state of Iowa, if yeah. you want to say that, um, there's just no way to change it. I no. mean, there's, really and look, not... I, I like the guys from door bumper clear, but shut up. Don't be telling us to be yeah. changing our dirt format for the Knoxville nationals. You don't see us telling you to change your Daytona 500 format. You, you know what I mean? Bring, you like, can't bring an asphalt philosophy to the Knoxville. No. That's and that's, that's what dirt track world. racing is. You know what I mean? That's what it is. That's what you do. 
when we it, when we were running even you know local shows regional shows and stuff like that obviously there's less cars you get done earlier and stuff but dude when the outlaws came to town and we would run the outlaw swing here on the west coast that's what you're doing you're you're at, it's it's 11 o'clock at night when you're finishing midnight when you're finishing you know what i mean and then you're celebrating and you're in the pitch drinking beer that's what it is all right yep. that's what it is races and, get over one two o'clock in the morning sometimes it just happens and and you can't start it earlier because no. then the track will... then the track shit. Yeah, I mean, I mean, we just you know, and I know. Yeah, you can't run dirt races during the day. That stuff no. does not work. I don't care what anybody does or tries. Day races on dirt suck. Especially it think work. about it in Knoxville, Iowa, in yeah, August. And, Give me a break. Yeah, I, I know they complained about well the races. Feature didn't get over till almost one o'clock in the morning. Da 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 da. And it's like, oh, come well. on now, you can't bring in an asphalt philosophy to the biggest dirt race in the world. Yeah, I'm and, gonna say in the country. Yeah, and uh, I want to give a shout out to Larson. Talked about him in Victory Lane. Uh, Low morale. Um, Low morale was the track owner at Cycleland Speedway where I grew up learning about Outlock. Obviously, that's where I started dirt racing, where I spent many years working on people's cars. Larson raced there, Sweet raced there, Baloo raced there. I mean, CV raced there. I mean, the list of drivers that are running, whether it's USAC or Outlaws or whatever, that race at Cycleland Speedway is huge. And Lowell also worked Silver Dollar for a very long time, Silver Dollar Speedway, did the track prep and the promotion and all that stuff there. Um, there's very few people, you know, I mean, Keith, you can attest to this, right? When you've got those guys, you know, they're just figureheads in the dirt racing community, in your community. And that's what Lowell was. And uh, he passed away a couple nights before the final night of Knoxville Nationals, which um, sucks. He was a really cool dude. Uh, loved racing. Probably one of the best fabricators you've never heard of. Um, you know, when I, when I started racing outlaw carts, I got, we got our car, you know, I, I've told the story many a times before that my friend's dad bought a car for me and his grandson to share, um, my first race out, my tie rod gets broke. I drive it directly into the wall, wide open, just destroy the car. I think my, my outlaw cart is racing career is done literally on the night that it gets started. And it was Lowell Morale that gave me another chassis. He walked in, you know, to his shop, which was right there at the track, pulled a frame and a roll cage out and gave it to me. Um, it was the one that he had built for his son, who was a phenomenal outlaw cart driver and sprint car driver out here in California. Um, and it was the car that had won, like he had won more races with than anything. And he just gave it to me. Um, he did stuff like that all the time for everybody. He was the one who taught me how to TIG weld. Uh, which was really cool. I was in welding at school at that time. I had learned how to arc weld and MIG weld, and I wanted to learn how to TIG weld, and my teacher was kind of an idiot. And um, I said, you know, hey, I want to learn how to TIG weld. And he told me that, you know, he's like, well, a good welder can can get, the, get any job done with, you know, whatever welder he has. Essentially, he's saying, like, you don't need to TIG weld that. You can use a MIG welder if you're good enough. And I was like, I don't know. That doesn't make a lot of sense to me. And um, we went out to Lowell's shop one night. We were picking up a motor. He had done my friend's motor on the outlaw cart side of things. And I asked Lowell, I was like, hey, can you show me how to TIG weld? I said, you know, I tell him the story. I go, I'm in welding class. I know how to MIG and stick weld. I said, but I want to learn how to TIG. I go, my, my teacher says that, you know, a good welder can get the job done with any type of welder. And he just laughed. And I'll never forget it because I, I've told this story so many times to people because it's such, it's such a truism for life, not just welding, but for life. And he said, no, Tommy, he said, a good welder knows the right tool for the job. He said, that's the dumbest thing I've ever heard. He said, here, let me show you. And he showed me how to TIG weld. He taught me right there how to TIG weld. And I'll never forget the look on my teacher's face when I went back and told him. I said, yeah, I said, my, the guy who owns the track that we raced at, he showed me how to do it. And I go, and I told him what you said. And he said, no, that's stupid. He said, a good welder knows the right tool for the job. And uh, 
yeah, he was just, he was a really cool dude, man. He helped a lot of kids, uh, growing up. And, um, there's a lot of people who race on the highest forms of racing. Um, and he was a big part of it. So shout out to him and his family. Um, he's definitely going to be missed. And, uh, you know, that was cool to see Larson get the win and to be able to talk about Lowell, uh, in victory lane like that, because it's, uh, it's a really, like I said, man, it, it, you, I'm sure you've got someone like this where you're at, Keith, where you've got just, which is one of those figureheads that everybody knows. He helps everybody, you know what I mean? And that was Lowell for a lot of us. So sucks that sucks that he's gone, but yeah, uh, his, his, uh, memory and, uh, effect will, will be felt in dirt racing for a very, very long time. All right. So after the Knoxville nationals, we had the, uh, High limit show at Houston's Keith. Did you get to see this? This was another good race. We, we've been pretty spoiled the last we, couple we, weeks, man. <laughs> we have been so blessed to have such good dirt racing over the last few days. I'm going to say the last week and a half. That yeah. that high limit race was probably one of the better ones I watched. It was incredible, year. man. It was an awesome thought, race, dude. I thought Robbie Price had the field covered. If it doesn't go yellow, he it's like David versus Goliath with Robbie Price versus the bigger heads of the mm -hmm. sprint car sport. Um, dude, it was just a good race. I mean, Rico Abreu was on a rail all night. Yeah. Between him and him and Buddy, which shouldn't be expected, right? Buddy yeah. Coford is a true badass behind the wheel of any type of car. Yep. Yeah. I mean, Rico had obviously a really good night, got the win. It was cool to see him win after what happened at Knoxville, you know, for him to have the blowout run in second, you know, that was cool to see them bounce back. Um, buddy, you're right. The, the, I, I've, I've said this before. My new nickname for him is the nerd assassin. That's what he is. Like put him in anything with four wheels and an engine. He's going to be able to wheel the crap out of it. Uh, Robbie price, third Matt's Kerry Matson got fourth, Justin Sanders, fifth Larson, started 17th and worked his way up to sixth, which was pretty impressive. Um, would have got hard charger if it hadn't been for Tim Kading starting 23rd and working his way up to eighth, which is when you, that's a hell of a thing to do at Houston's uh, to move up that many spots. So yeah, it was a really good racing man. The last uh, week uh, we've seen some, phenomenal dirt track racing we really have uh also really big news first of all my man Corey day uh impressive at knoxville is he's been just impressive period uh out there running with the big boys uh, if, if you i keep saying it if if you don't know who he is you better do your research because you're going to the the kid's incredible he's only 17 um his equipment is second to none i actually i can't remember if i told the story or not but i said to kyle i said well i would have liked to have seen Corey day run the 7bc car at the knoxville nationals and he just was like no he goes that car he's got he goes i bet the car he's got's better he's like jason myers has got the best equipment that money can buy he's like no he goes i bought it he told me a story he goes that he bought a front end a completed front end off of off of Jason Myers, off that team. He goes, I, he got, I can't remember what he said he paid for it, 500 or 1,000 or something like that. He goes, the entire thing was titanium. He goes, I could literally pick it up off the ground with like two fingers. Yeah, he don't goes, surprise me. Yeah. <laughs> he goes, so he goes, I can tell you right now, he goes, that car that he's driving is just as good as any outlaw ride out there. So, and that, the, that, that shouldn't be a surprise, right? I, no, I don't think. Jason Myers is a two-time outlaw champion. He knows what yeah. it takes. Yeah. I mean, yeah, he wasn't no slouch behind the wheel. No, uh -uh. obviously, yeah. Jason Myers was one of my favorite crowd. Yeah, yeah, he was awesome. And also, another West Coast guy, uh, Tanner Holmes. He's got he's getting in the one A ride, Jacob Allen's ride for the rest of the season. He's going to be running that car. Um. For Bobby Allen, which is kind of freaking, a shock. I was shocked by that. I was I was surprised by that. Um, but also I love the fact I do love it because it I like it anytime you see somebody coming up who's who's who shows some talent, who shows some promise. And I and look, 
Tanner Holmes is is good. Um, I do think there are some people that are better than him that have shown more talent, but they're already in rides. And so, you know, for him to be to get the opportunity in this car, like he's got his chance to really prove himself now. And, you know, if he can go out there and and run good, run consistent, I think it says a lot for him and it will definitely open doors for him in the future, which I think is really, really cool to see. So yeah. I agree. I think this is a, a lifetime opportunity for that young man. And yes. I think, I think what gives, I'm not even going to say gives him a bad name. I think what turns people away is, is the YouTube stuff. I think it, I think the I social think media that, stuff I'm with you. Um, I think it gets in the way at times, but here's the thing that, that that's how he makes his money. Right. That, I mean, he's, well, he's a huge, yeah. Huge and that's um, also what I think gives him the opportunities that he has. You know what I mean? Like, I do believe that. Yeah, because um, it, it, it shows a different side of Tanner Holmes. It yes, shows... and it gets – and people got to understand, it's why Timez started doing it. It's why we see more and more of these yeah. drivers doing it. Look, no, at the I, guys I from, look at the guys from Hunt the Front, right? They set like, standard. Yes, they – they their stuff blew up so much they were able to literally put together a freaking super late model and then an entire series right because they of of what they've been able to accomplish on social media and, and what's crazy about it and this wasn't no shot at tanner holmes i hope the man or the kid is successful in that car i think it's going to be really hard for him i think there's going to be some ups and downs but He's in a very good ride. He's in a winning capable ride. Yes. He's now he's able to truly show his talents yep. and and not have to worry about running mom and dad's stuff, if that makes any sense, because they're they're you're always a little easier on mom and dad's stuff, right? I mean, I kinda was when I was in our non win car. Yeah, you gotta but, worry about the cost of it if things break. You know, but to get back to the YouTube stuff. I mean, we've seen Hunt the Front just absolutely explode. Mm-hmm. It it changed the way racing. I'm not going to say the way racing is, but the way social media, YouTube, into racing has evolved. I mean, we've seen them guys go from a pool barn yep. to a big nice shop now. Now they have employees working for them on their cars, and and it gives a different a different viewpoint of what it takes to run a team, what it takes to do as far as the working behind the scenes on these cars. Um, Tanner Holmes was just given a lifetime opportunity that I think a lot of people would want. I know I've seen some things like, well, Anthony Macri should have been in that car. And this Anthony Macri's already gotten a ride. Well, you know Guess what? I mean? what? Tanner Holmes is there. He he yes. sees the opportunity. Now let's see what he can do with the opportunity because the rest of the world of outlaw schedules really tough. Yes. And it's, he's going to go to some places that he's never been before. But Flip we side. do have the West coast swing coming up too, which is was, also a lot of tracks that he has been at. Yeah. That yeah. is going to help him more than it is going to hurt him because he's, he's raced at these racetracks a ton yep. on the West coast. And Which I think is one of the reasons why Bobby Allen might have made that move, right? And he's put a, a West Coast guy in that car for the West Coast swing. Get him oh, acclimated absolutely. to the differences of the car while you're running in the Midwest or East or wherever else you are. And then you come out to the West Coast swing and now he's acclimated to the car. You know, he talked about, Tanner Holmes was talking about how everything in this car is different. His seat didn't fit, right? The pedals were different. The, everything is different. It has a different feel. It has a di- everything. And, and, and- that's what makes it so unique. And he's going to be in better equipment. And yes. I don't care what anybody says. Bobby Allen and, and the Shark Racing team has top-notch equipment. Yes, they might be the they might they might be the, you know, the Moneyball Oakland A's of the Outlaws, but they're still an outlaw team. <laughs> okay, let's not forget that. They're still an outlaw team. So, yeah. I think it's an incredible opportunity for him. I'm happy to see him get it. I want to see, you know, I want to see what he can do with it. And, um, you know, hopefully, like I said, they, they get things kind of figured out before they get to the West coast, because that'll be really his, his chance to shine. I'm, 
I am looking, I am so looking forward to the West Coast swing this year. Um, I was already looking forward to it because of Corey Day, but now I'm really looking forward to it because of both Corey Day and Tanner Holmes, because I think those guys are going to have a chance to prove something. And I think this is going to benefit Shark Racing more, having Tanner Holmes in the car, because now you got a guy that's going to be in the car for the rest of the year, and you're not jumping from this driver to that driver, from this driver to that driver. Now you have one permanent driver in the car, that yep. that is going to progressively get better. Um, mm-hmm. It sucks that the issue that's going on with Jacob Allen. I'm not a hundred percent sure. I haven't heard. I just hope that he is taking all the time that he needs before he steps back into a car. Yeah. Um, I've heard rumors that it's it's mental health related, um, and hopefully he gets better. Hopefully we see him back behind the wheel of his car um, yep. whether that happens or not yep. we're gonna see yeah it's, it's i, I, uh, I think if we, i think if we watch tanner holmes show his true talent in that car i think it'd be hard to pull him out of it yeah maybe they start a third team maybe they just won the million so they can do it yeah <laughs> <laughs> so yeah Shout out to that uh, to him on that. Um, also, so this weekend the USAC midgets finally making their return. Thank goodness. Thank God. <laughs> um, we've, had, we've had extreme outlaw races and stuff like that, but you know the USAC they're gonna be they're gonna be making their return. Where are they at Macon and they're in, in Wayne Illinois. County. Yeah, Wayne County. So tonight and tomorrow night, and then next week the sprints finally make their return with SmackDown. So looking forward to looking forward to SmackDown. Um, That's always one of my favorite events of the year. That should also be an Indiana holiday. Just throwing that out there. It should. It should. I'd I'd like some holiday pay for that. Yeah, it should. So, so yeah, a lot of as, as good as the dirt, as good as the dirt racing has been, we do have a lot more of it coming, which I'm uh, definitely looking forward to. So that's our dirt track recap. And to wrap things up this week, we are going to give you our picks for goat of the week, which you are new to the show. Goat of the week is kind of a play on the whole media thing where anytime anybody wins SVG, Shane Van Gisbergen, let's use him as an example. He wins at Chicago. And now we're talking about him as if he's going to be the greatest road course racer of all time. So that's kind of the goat of the week joke here. So Keith, who is your selection for goat of the week? Oh man. This is tough. I'm gonna go David Gravel after his run at at Knoxville. I, I gotta I gotta give it to him because it takes some attrition, right? And and the run that he made to the front was uh, very impressive. Yeah, yeah, it was. Um, for him to come to the front the way that he did was incredibly impressive uh you know i mean it it was just amazing i mean for him to come for 22nd you know i just it's just insane move up 20 spots in the knoxville national feature that's that's just ridiculous so yeah, I like that one. That's definitely a good one. Um, I'm going to go a different route. My goat of the week, uh, I'm going to actually, it's not even a driver. I'm going to go with Paul Silva, the man behind the 57 car. Um, he He's almost like a, he's almost like the Wizard of Oz. You know what I mean? He's like the man behind the curtain, right? Like you hear his name. We know who he is, right? But you don't know much about him, right? Like, I mean, obviously... He's incredible. And what he does with that car, obviously Larson is a phenomenal talent, but I've never once seen that car show up at a track and it'd be like, man, we just don't have it tonight. I've, I've never once seen that. And they bring their A game every single night. He is obviously the, uh, the driving force behind that. And they had their A game at Knoxville. So, I'm gonna go with the crew. I'm gonna go the crew chief route. Hats off to him, man, because they 
they were dominant and he obviously was a huge reason for that. So yeah, that's who that's who my goat of the week is. I gotta go with my go with my wrench slingers on this one. I like it. Yeah. So that's gonna do it all for this week's show. Thank you guys very much as always for joining us. We will be back next week. As like I said, we got a bunch of bunch of dirt racing kicking off, specifically SmackDown, which I'm definitely looking forward to. So, but please continue doing what you're doing. Download, share, like, subscribe, all that good stuff. Help us keep growing this thing. Um, it's been a lot of fun. I mean, me and Keith do this strictly just because it's fun. So, you know, help us continue to grow it even more. And uh, yeah, we'll be back next week to do it all over again. So, Keith, my man, have a good weekend. Hope everybody in the house gets better soon. Oh, thanks. And, and you have a good weekend too. I will. I'm not, I don't have a weekend. I, I mean, I guess technically it's the weekend, but I'll be working both days once again. So yeah, uh, looking forward to that. Hopefully it'll, you know, get below 115. Um, cause the heat has been just re donkulous here. It's, oh my God, it's horrible. It was last night at like two o'clock in the morning. It was like 92 degrees. I cannot and, and humid. It was humid here. I'm good. It doesn't happen very <laughs> often. Oh yeah. my god, it was horrible. So I, we really needed to cool. I'm done with summer. I'm so I'll over take, summer. I'll take a hard pass on that for fifty yeah. bucks. Can we have fall, please? Uh, can it start now? Oh my god, just please. Oh yeah. Anyway, so hopefully next week will be better. But that'll do it. Thank you very much, as always. And until next time, take care.